Oh 
Salvation is here. Salvation is here and it lives in me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here and it lives in me. Salvation is here. Salvation is here and it lives in me. Salvation is here. Cause you are alive and you live in me. Sing it out this morning. Cause I know my God saved the day and I know his word never fails. And I know my God made a way for me. Um, this next song was made real popular by uh, um, Hillsong, and it speaks a lot about the lives of Christians and how you just have to give everything to God. Um, I'm pretty sure you've all known it. I'm pretty sure we've sung it in here before, and it's called Inside Out.
give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord, let justice and praise Become my embrace To love you from the inside out Everlasting, your light will shine When all else fades Never ending, your glory giving us your son, God, for sending him to die for us. God, I just thank you for letting us be able to have your, your sovereignty, God, just for loving us, for just being there for us whenever we need you, God. As we continue to worship you this morning, I just pray that you fill this place and fill the hearts of those that are lost here this morning, God. Just let them see your glory and your, your presence, God.
Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery, yeah. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all And you are my everything, and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Just sing it in the With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are So 
year, um, one of the greatest inventions of all time, I think. Um, it was, for the first time I started to use this thing, I'd heard about it, I'd heard of other people using it, using it but for the first time this past year, um, it came into my life, okay? And it's made a world of difference. This discovery, this invention, this thing I discovered, is called a DVR. How many of y'all know what a DVR is? A bunch of y'all, right? Okay. Well, my, my family, we've never been on the fancy side of television. You know, we've always kind of just had the basic stuff. Um, we, we, we usually have gone with the expanded basic because we want the ESPNs and, and we want um, stuff like the Braves. We've got to catch them in TBS. So we've always kind of gone with the expanded basic, but we've never really stepped out there to like the digital cable world. You know, we had never really reached out. It's been around for a while. We just really hadn't taken that next step. We hadn't gone to that next level. Well, this past year, my mom discovered this great deal that I think it was CityNet at that time. It's probably Plantel or something now. This great deal that they were doing um, on, I guess, digital television. We were, we were having to redo some things. We wanted our phone line with our cable and our internet and all this kind of stuff. And so we ended up with this great deal, okay? And this great deal included a lot of things. It included some movie channels, some HD channels, a lot of channels that I don't care about. Brant watches them. They're kind of outdoor channels along the top, but a lot of stuff that I don't really care too much about. But the thing I really do care about is this DVR. And I didn't know it at the time. And this, this package came with DVR. And DVR is a crazy thing if you don't know what I'm talking about. When you're watching television, it allows you to record something. It actually allows you to record two things at one time. It allows you to record something and watch something else at the same time and then go back and watch that recorded thing later. And all you really have to do is go to a menu and kind of select a button and say, record. You don't have to slip a tape in there. You don't have to worry about, am I recording over other things? It's like it's always there and there's this just huge amount of space available on this hard drive. And it was, a, it was an amazing thing to me, and it's allowed me to do a lot of things. Um, it's allowed me to watch television without commercials. It's allowed me to watch shows. Um, I guess when, when I had to work, it's allowed me to watch shows that came on during that time. 
And one of those shows that I watch um, from time to time and I watch it with my family is American Idol. Now, American Idol, I don't know if they're on their last legs. You know, this year, I don't think the contestants have been quite as good. But how many of y'all in here watch American Idol just to take a, a random poll? All right, there's a, there's a few people who raise their hand. They say sometimes, they say sometimes. Well, American Idol comes on during a time when I'm at the church. Either I'm at Faith or I'm at um, Joy Explosion on Wednesday nights. So it's on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. But my family records this, and they've usually started by the time I get there, but they kind of let me go through. And what we do is we watch it without the commercials. And it's an amazing thing. It's an awesome thing. But one of the things I've discovered about American Idol is that Simon always has something he's looking for. He always has something he's looking for, and it's called the moment, the moment, okay? He's always looking for the moment because when you're, when you're performing in front of millions and millions of people like these people on American Idol do, there's always the possibility that you can go from being a nobody to being somebody. There's a moment where if you perform in a certain way and you perform a certain song and you perform really, really well, you can become a star overnight. And you can go from nobody to somebody. And you know, as I was reading my Bible, um, it's been a couple of weeks ago now that I was reading this and I came across this passage. There's a passage in Mark, and it's in some of the other Gospels too, about Peter. And there was a moment in his life where he went from nobody to somebody. Jesus is with his disciples in Mark chapter 8. He's with his disciples and he's talking to them and he's kind of asking them, who do people say that I am? And they're listing off things, they're saying Elijah, the prophets, and they're just naming um, uh, uh, just different options that people have said. And he asks them an important question. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, and, and, and he's the one that we have recorded. I don't know what everybody else said, but Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in one moment, Peter has his moment that will, that will make people remember him for all time. He goes from a nobody to a somebody in one instance. And it's an amazing story, and it's huge, and it's big. And and if you look, well, you don't need to look. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus talks a little bit about this, and he says, Jesus replied. This is his reply to Peter. This is how big it is. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's an amazing moment. You have... Jesus Christ, the most influential person of all time, telling you that he's going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's a huge story. But what intrigues me the most is what happens directly after that. And that's what I want to focus on today. It's in Mark chapter 8. I think this is in your bulletin. Mark chapter 8, 31 through 33. So if y'all want to turn there, you can. It may be on the screen. I don't know. If it's not, it's Justin's fault. If anything's ever messed up on the screen, blame Justin. All right, verse 31 says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. This is Jesus who's, who's teaching them these things. He says, Chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Okay, so Jesus is just telling them plainly, basically, I'm going to die. I'm going to have to die and he's, he tells them this repeatedly through Scripture, especially after this point in the Gospels. He tells them this a lot. Um, and hearing this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
He began to rebuke him. Now listen to how Jesus responds because this is, this is kind of very, it's amazing to me, intriguing to me how this happened to Peter. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He rebukes Peter. Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And when Peter... When it says in, in Mark that Peter rebukes Jesus, in Matthew it kind of elaborates a little bit more on that. And Peter basically just tells, takes him aside and says, Jesus, there's no way this is going to happen. Not to you. I'm not going to let this happen to you. You're not going to die. That's not going to happen. This isn't the way this all works. But right after that, Jesus turns around. This is directly after the passage where Jesus has just confessed Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And as I read that passage, I was just like, what happened to Peter? What happened to this guy? What's going on in his life that that one second he could be on top of the world and the next second he could be on the very bottom, the lowest of lows, Jesus' enemy, Satan. What happened here? And the truth is, if you read it over a couple of times, it's not very hard to get, and most of you probably already know this. Peter just didn't get it. He didn't get the whole thing about Jesus having to die. And the reason Peter didn't get it It's because his mind was so full of what he thought Jesus was going to be, of what he thought the Messiah was going to be, of what he thought the Messiah was going to do. His mind was so full of those things, there was no space for who Jesus actually was. There was no room for who the Messiah was actually going to be. And in an instant, Peter went from being the friend of Jesus, the one who proclaimed Jesus Christ, to being a hindrance to the work of God. And Jesus looks at him and says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And so as we read that passage, I think the question um, that I wanted to ask myself, the question I think you need to ask yourselves too, is is what what about me? What about me? What do I have in mind? Do I have in mind the things of God, or do I have in mind the things of man? And I think that takes examining your mind a little bit. And so what I did after reading this passage, as I examined my mind a little bit, I kind of asked this question of myself, what's on my mind, what's going on in my mind, what do I think about, what consumes me? And I came up with with two important discoveries that I want you to consider today. The first thing is that there is never a shortage of things to consume your mind. There's never a shortage of things. In this world that we live in, there's never a shortage of things. Now, as many of you know, I'm an intern here at the church, okay? Okay. I work full-time here. Um, I get paid to work full-time here. It's a great job. And as, as many of you know, it's not the most taxing job in the world, okay? I think most of you would agree that I don't have the hardest job in the world. As a matter of fact, if I got you to raise your hands, a lot more of you would raise your hands to say you have a more taxing job than me than raise your hands to say you watched American Idol, okay? Because I just don't have that taxing of a job. Besides putting up with Bill 40 hours a week or, you know, cleaning up a lot of messes. These youth, they may not know a lot, but they know how to make a lot of messes. And so we're constantly cleaning those things up. I'm just kidding. Y'all know a lot. But, but they know how to make a lot of messes. And so it's not a taxing job. It's just really, it's really not all that bad um, for me. But what I've realized is that even in my life, even when I'm working a job that's not that taxing, I'm living at home, I'm, I'm not having to pay any kind of mortgage or any kind of rent and You know, when I want something to eat, I just call my dad and ask him what he's doing for lunch, you know. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, It's really not that bad. Even in my life, even in my life, the least, the least busy of these, there's never a shortage of things to consume my mind. As many of you guys know, I'm getting married 
um, in August. It's August the 7th. Um, we didn't do any save the dates or anything like this, so this is your save the date. It's August 7th. We would, we would love for all of you to come, um, and, uh, but we're really excited about that. Rachel and I are really excited about that, but for the first time in my life, I actually have a little bit of responsibility. For the first time, I'm not only responsible for Rachel, I'm responsible kind of for myself, and I've never really had to be completely responsible for myself. Um, and with responsibility, my mind has been consumed. And, and I've been thinking about things like, where are we going to live when we get married? We're going to have to move back to Athens, and Rachel's going to be um, finishing up student teaching for one semester. Where are we going to live for five months? How are we going to find a place to rent for five months? Um, what kind of job am I going to have for five months um, that, I can, that I can support us, that I can pay our rent? What are we going to do about insurance? You know, what are we gonna, how are we going to insure ourselves? How are we going to insure like, our vehicles and, and cell phones and just... A number of things. I mean, how are we going to pay for all this stuff? You know, this world just has costs and costs and costs and costs and costs that I've really never had to worry about all that much until now. Um, and so that's consumed my mind. And I've spent hours thinking about that and trying to find jobs and just different things. And then when I, when I do have some spare time, when I'm not working or when I'm not thinking about these things, there's other things to consume my mind. Like, you know, you want to keep up with friends. I'm a long way from Athens. And so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to keep up with friends and talk to them and, and see how they're doing. And when I'm not keeping up with friends, I'm keeping up with uh, Georgia football. I mean, it's, it's a very important thing. And so I have to, you know, look online and see what the recruit, recruits are up to. And when I'm not doing that, you know, I'm kind of thinking about the Atlanta Braves. You know, they've just started their season. And you've got to invest at least probably an hour to a day on the Atlanta Braves because, you know, they, they play for three hours. I mean, you can at least give them one or two of your hours during the day. I mean, if not that, you're at least checking the scores and the NBA playoffs have started. And there's a lot of things to consume my mind. And when I'm not doing that, there's addictive TV shows like 24. I don't know if y'all have ever watched that. Um, it's, it's very addictive and, and that can consume my mind. And, and just for good measure, maybe you throw a novel in there just so I feel like I'm educated or something. And so, you know, you put all of these things together and all of a sudden you've got a full plate. You've got a full plate of things. And my life, my life, I know if, if my life is consumed by stuff, some responsibilities, some things I just want to do, if it's consumed by all of these things, I know your lives have to be as well. Between providing for yourself and your family and your kids and, and going to school and, and going to work and, you know, hanging out with friends and going on vacations and baseball practice and, and little league and ballet and all these different things, between all of these things, our lives are just consumed. And when our lives, when we do have some spare time, there's thousands of things vying for our, for our attention. There's thousands of things that want our attention. And so there's never a shortage of things to consume your mind. The second thing I learned is that although these things are not bad, although these things individually, if you separate them out individually, none of these things I would say are bad or are sinful, we must realize that all of these things are the things of men. All of these things. Even things like responsibility are the things of men. And the reason I think that is because when I think about God and when I think about Him, I just can't imagine Him worrying about where He's going to work. I can't imagine Him worrying about, you know, how He's going to eat. I can't imagine Him worrying about, you know, important things, even like health care. But what I, and I, I definitely can't imagine Him worrying about stuff like Georgia football and the Atlanta Braves. And so when I think about that, I realize that these things that I spend my time thinking about, these things that consume me, are the things of men. Though not bad individually, they are definitely the things of men. And what we cannot do is we cannot afford to let the things of men that are many that want to consume us, we cannot afford to let those things 
get in the way of the things of God and overcrowd our minds to the point that we don't leave any space for the things of God. And I think that's the danger because I'm convinced one of the greatest hindrances to Christianity, especially in America, I've never lived anywhere else. I've been to a few other places, but I've never lived anywhere else. Especially in America, one of the greatest hindrances to Christianity is that we, and when I say we, Christians, do not listen to Jesus. We do not listen to Jesus. We do not have in mind the things of God. And let me tell you, it's not because we don't want to. It's not because we don't believe in Jesus. It's because there's no space. There's no space. And a lot of times we do not realize it, but our minds are crowded to the point that we don't even have space to listen to Jesus. We don't have time to listen to Jesus. And so I think the thing that we have to do, the thing that we must do is create space. It's the only solution. It's the only solution when you need space, you create space. It's not a a hard thing to consider. Um, Andy Stanley, I don't know if any of you guys know who Andy Stanley is. Probably more of you may know Charles Stanley. Andy Stanley is Charles Stanley's son. Um, And I've heard a few of his sermons. And and one of his sermons, he used... um, an illustration that I've never forgotten. Um, now, I want to I be a pastor one day, and I want to preach, and I love to preach, um, but as, you know, as I've grown up, there's one thing I've realized. I've listened to thousands of sermons, and there's very little specifically that I remember from sermons, and so um, it's kind of crazy that I want to preach knowing that people probably won't remember a lot about what I really say and what we really spend our time on. Um, but I did hear something that Andy Stanley said, and it stuck with me. It's just an illustration and it's about notebook paper. How many of you guys know what notebook paper is? Okay, y'all have, y'all have read notebook paper. Y'all have looked at notebook paper. Y'all have written on notebook paper. Um, I don't know. When Bill was little, I'm not sure they had notebook paper. Y'all were still using papyrus, right? Um, but notebook paper, notebook paper is essential to, to our lives here. We use it all the time. And there's these funny little things on notebook paper. There's these lines. There's lines on the left and there's lines on the right. Or not lines, but a line on the left and a line on the right. And then there's all kinds of lines in the middle, right? Just picture this. Um, Well, these lines on the right and on the left leave a little space on each side, and they're called margins, okay? They're called margins. And I didn't check up on Andy about this, but Andy said the reason that there are margins is because we really, our minds do not like reading a full page. We don't like reading something that goes from one end all the way to the other. We need that space. We need that space for our minds. And he was using that that illustration to tell about why God created the Sabbath. Because he said that God creates the Sabbath, and and Jesus talks about this too in, in the New Testament, that men were not created for the Sabbath, but God created the Sabbath for men. God created Sunday for us because he knew we needed the space. He knew we would have a hard time creating space. He knew there would be a lot of things going on in our lives, and we needed, needed space. And when I think about our relationship with Jesus and when I think about listening to Jesus and how can we listen to Jesus, I realize that we have unlimited amount of resources. Just within the people that are here today, I don't know how many, there may be a couple hundred people, 300 people here, I don't know how many people are here um, this morning, but even just within the small group, I bet we own a thousand Bibles at least, a thousand Bibles. We have the word of God, the words of Jesus recorded from thousands of years ago. We have resource, we have the Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us to be our counselor. We have the words of of thousands and thousands of Christians who have lived before us and who have grown and loved and learned from Jesus Christ. We have their words. We have the resources. What we don't have 
is the space. And what we don't have is the time to use those resources and to think about the things of God. And so what I would ask you guys to do um, this morning as you go back home, um, as you do everything you're going to do today, is to set aside space and to be disciplined about setting aside space. Because I'm going to tell you, it's not that you don't want to, but if you don't, if we're not disciplined about this, if we don't think about this, if we don't go out of our way to set extra time to think about the things of God, we won't do it. That's just, that's just who we are. That's just um, who we are as human beings. Our minds are on the things of men. We're men. Our minds are on the things of men. And so what I would ask you to do is to set aside space. And I'm not talking about just on Sunday. I'm not talking about just in a Sunday school class. I'm talking about space daily. 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes where you can sit and think about your life and read the word of God and see how do those things come together? How do those things meet? Do they even meet? Am I living totally apart from that? Am I just living my life? Maybe I'm a good person. Maybe I'm doing pretty good. Am I just living my life or is my life aligned with what God's word says? Am I being used for the things of God or am I just occupying all my time with the things of man? Am I just surviving? Am I just living or am I living for Jesus Christ? We need time to think about that. We need to set aside time for that. About, I think I I taught you guys probably, I guess it was in December, late December, we had College Sunday and I gave um, probably a 15-minute testimony about kind of what God had laid on my heart. Um, And and one of those things was that he had given me so much and the question was, what do I do with it? What do I do with what he's given me? Um, and as I was thinking about that, one of the things God laid on my heart this past semester was to, to start a tutoring ministry. And so I began the process of starting that ministry, and it started in February. And it's a very casual thing. We go out to a neighborhood in Tifton, and we um, ask people to come, and, and, and we, we try to help them with, with stuff like math or reading or writing or history or science or whatever. Whatever they have, we try to help them with it. And most of our students are about between third grade and sixth grade, the majority. And we have anywhere from probably 15 to 20 every week, 15 to 20 students. Um, well, I got some tutors to help me, and, and we have probably seven to 10 stu- tutors every week, depending on who can come and who can't. But one person who's always there is my sister, um, my sister Kate. Now, many of you probably know my sister Kate. She's a little bit older than me. She teaches here in Tifton. And when I asked her to do this, when I asked her to help, I knew she would be valuable um, because she works with a lot of these teachers. And so she has access to the email. And so what she does is, is when the students come, she writes down all of their information. You know, she, she gets to know the students. She talks to the teachers about the students. The students talk to her. They say, man, they did great on their math test. Could you work on them with their science this week? A lot of times they'll send stuff specifically to Kate for the students to work on. And she has a great connection with the teachers and a great connection with the students alike that we're trying to help. And, and to tell you the truth, you know, I may, I buy a few things for this thing. Um, I, I kind of got it started. But Kate is the one who kind of makes this ministry run. She's the one who makes it go. And you know what? Kate is one of those people, I say my life is, is consumed with a lot of things. Kate is one of those people who can't say no. I don't even know if she wants to say no, to tell you the truth. You know, a lot of people want to say no. They're always saying, I can't say no. I want to say no. I can't. I don't even think Kate's one of those people. Kate's just one of those people who wants to say yes. She wants to say yes when you ask her to do something. She wants to say yes to it. And I want to tell you, when I asked her to do this tutoring ministry, she didn't have time to do it. 
And as a matter of fact, she told me at the very beginning, she said, now, Tyler, I'm not going to be able to be there all the time and be late a lot. I have this other thing I'm doing and this and that and this and that. And I knew her life was full of things, but I knew she was valuable enough that I wanted her to come for at least part of the time. But let me tell you, from the first week when Kate came, I don't know of a time that she's missed since then. I don't really know of a time that she's hardly, she may have been late maybe one time. She's never asked to leave early. And it's not because she had the time. It's not because the space was just there. It didn't just appear in her life. She created the space. And I know a lot of people are probably looking at Kate and looking at all the things she does and looking at this tutoring ministry and, and where it is. And, and it's kind of in, it's, it's in a neighborhood that a lot of you would think is probably not a great neighborhood. There's been some issues with this neighborhood, um, especially during the past um, semester. And a lot of people probably would look at Kate and say, Kate, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Why are you trying to do this? Why are you doing this extra thing? You've got so many other things going on. Why are you trying to put this extra thing into your life? Are you out of your mind? And let me tell you something. I hope she is. I hope she is out of her mind. Because if she's out of her mind, if she's out of her mind, that means she's creating space to think about the things of God. Because our minds do not think about those things naturally. And I believe that if each of us would take time every day to just be out of our minds for just a little while, just to step outside of our minds for just a second, to be out of our minds for a little while, that there's nothing God couldn't do through this body of people that are here today. There's no, there's no person that God couldn't reach. There's no person that God couldn't touch. There's no person that God couldn't feed or meet their needs if for one second we would just be out of our mind and out of our lives for just one instance. And if we don't do this, if we don't do this, instead of being a help to Jesus, just like Peter, we're just going to be a hindrance. We're just going to be a hindrance. We're not going to stop God's work. We can't stop it. But we're just going to be a hindrance. And so what I want you to ask yourself, are you, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Will you be out of your mind just for few minutes a day just to evaluate just to see let's pray Lord I just thank you for so much God for people um, who step out of their selves who step out of their mind for just a little while to consider the things of God because those people have affected my life God and they've affected the lives of all of those who are in here Lord I know the things of men are not bad they're not bad on their own. As a matter of fact, a lot of them we have to do. But God, help us to realize that we have to create space, that they can't squeeze out the things of God. God, we love you and we thank you just for giving us an opportunity to serve you. And we thank you that Peter did eventually find it out, God, and, and, and built the church, God, through you. In your name I pray. Amen. Um, I think we're going to have an invitation here. Um, Brother Wayne will, will be standing at the front. If you need to make a decision, if you... If you want to become a member of this church, um, if you want to serve with this church, if you, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, please come see Brother Wayne. He would love to talk to you. Oh, please. please stand. I think everybody can...